So welcome back to the Zooming In Podcast. This is episode five, and I am super excited that this is now brought to you by not one, but two University of Florida Gator grads. Aw, that was cute. That feels weird to say. I bought my first UF alum shirt the other day, and now I can actually wear it out and not be fake. She can wear it out and not be, um, what do the kids call it, poser? Because um, up until now, that's that's more what she more or less what she's been. So I'm really happy for her that she can that she can grow, and become just a better version of herself. But yeah, like, join me in please in congratulating Brooke Garrison on graduating from UF. What two days ago? Yeah. yeah, it it was a whirlwind of a weekend. As soon as I finished all my grad shoots, um, on top of graduating, I immediately came home yesterday around five and just like passed out for the rest of the night and then I woke up to film today so like we're here we're alive and I'm still pinching myself that it happened but I'm really excited to go to the best university sorry FSU <laughs> but FS who yeah true um so no. you actually did grad shoots on during your own graduation weekend yeah I wow. did a lot that's I mean that that's commitment I mean I totally get it but wow how many did you do I did 10 this week 10 in one week? Mm-hmm. Two a day, every day. That is, um, for those of you who have never done a grad shoot, that's quite a workload to have in, a, in one day. And I realized that I hadn't taken the time to take my own pictures. So I asked my friend to meet me on campus after I'd been shooting all day and I had a dress in the back seat and I curled my hair and did my makeup in the school bathroom and I had on six inch heels and I took pictures of her and then just hopped in on a couple. And I was like, wow, if I could do a photo shoot in six inch platforms, I can do anything. Like if that doesn't say empowered <laughs> woman, I don't know what does, but it was definitely, that's, that's so on brand for me. It's like, so on brand. Totally like last minute to just jump and pick a picture and do it, but like be so busy and working at the same time. I'm like, there's no other way I would have done my grad picks. Prepared? No way. <laughs> was I prepared? <laughs> Absolutely not. For everybody else's, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I remember um I remember when I had my grad photos taken and it felt very weird to be on the other side of the camera for a change and to have somebody else telling me what to do. I was like, Oh, is this is this what it's like? Yeah, I thought I knew what it was like to be in front of the camera. Because I spend so many times like adjusting someone's tassel and their cap and everything. And when you're giving them directions, you think it's like a rather simple direction. But honestly, it feels like so foreign when you're wearing all of it. And there's so many things you're trying to like focus on. Um, so that was definitely eye-opening for me. I was like, wow, okay, now I get how they felt in front of the camera. Put yourself in the client's shoes and now you really understand what they're going through on, a, sure. on, a, on a graduation shoot. That's really interesting. Yeah. So in addition to uh, Brooke graduating. Um, we want to talk to you a little bit about what's uh, what's going on in the lives of the creators of the Zooming In podcast. The The response to the first couple of episodes has been absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, Brooke, you, I know you told me you had a couple stories of, um, so please, I would love to hear them. Yeah, so... I think it just blows my mind how you put something out into the world and you think only your close friends and community are going to find it. Um, because I've had a couple strangers come up to me and people that are just rather acquaintances, like at my apartment complex, um, 
someone who works in the office. I went in there to get my morning coffee and he was like, Brooke, he's like, I heard you're making a podcast. I love the episode. And I was like, how did you even find that? And he's like, oh, I just, you know, I found it on Instagram. So that was cool. Um, and we're just so thankful for everybody who's listened. And what has really shocked me is all of the people who aren't even photographers that have found something useful out of this as well. Um, so I just want to say thank you to everybody who's shared and been supportive. We are so, so appreciative. And it's really exciting to get together and just put some, some interesting content out into the world and someone gets inspired by it. But I know Logan has some cool stories too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. I I get um I get text messages from friends uh, pretty frequently who listen to the episode P because I, I try to of course I'm putting it out because I want everybody to listen to it. But some people who I know I didn't specifically ask saw it, listened to it, or even watched it. Like if you watched the whole YouTube video, wow, and because that's amazing and. I love getting those texts. I even saw that a friend of mine uh, gave us a five-star review on iTunes, and that was awesome, and wrote this amazing paragraph about how someone who, I think this person does uh, more graphic design-related work, but how they got a lot of value out of the photography portion because they they do some photography as a part of their creative aspirations are part of their creative toolkit as mm-hmm. it were uh, and that just that made my whole day it really mm-hmm. did I know something that I found really cool was earlier this week someone I used to cheer with in high school sent me a message and was like I'm about to do my first photo shoot do you have any tips for me and I was like well that's Ooh. great because we just did a whole entire episode on that and I was able to send her the link to the episode and she thought it was very helpful so I think that's really cool that people are able to like use this as a resource, especially before their first, their first photo shoot. So, you know, trying to inspire other people to take out that camera mm-hmm. and, uh, start, ca- start, you know, what is it you catching? Um, what do they call it? Catching the shutter bug. That's what mm-hmm. it is. That's cute. Um, I've never heard that before. Yeah. You catch the shutter bug. Interesting. <laughs> I actually have a really funny story, um, from a shoot this week too, that I Please. feel like I need to share because it was iconic. Enlighten um, us. I had a 9 a.m. shoot yesterday morning. Very nice. And they brought tequila and limes. What, what kind of tequila, though? It was really good. Oh, good stuff. I, oh, yeah. I took a shot with them. It was great. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, I just met them. I felt like we were instantly best friends. And they were like, yeah, this is kind of our thing. We want a picture of us taking shots. So <laughs> every spot we went to, they took a shot at tequila. And honestly, it made it really fun. <laughs> by, th- by the end, were they just stumbling? No, not at all. Um, not at all. But... It was just fun that they didn't take themselves too seriously and that she had a whole girl squad that came so prepared to make it more than just pictures, but make it an experience. Plus tequila is my favorite drink. So uh, <laughs> it was wow. it okay. was awesome. It was just so funny. I was like, what a way to finish undergrad of doing shoots <laughs> for four years because I have never seen that ever happen. And it was awesome. Now, usually it's just Andre's champagne. Yeah. No, we <laughs> took a step up from Andre's. <laughs> five dollars champagne oh it's 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 i always loved um because uh what is it um the when they want to do the photos where they're popping the champagne bottles mm-hmm. those are some of my favorites um because it, it's like there's a technique to doing it right mm-hmm. um it's you have to what is it you have to open it up toss the cap pop, pop was it pop the cork or the cat right it's because it's just a twist off and immediately cover it and then as long as you keep your thumb over it then it'll keep the pressure inside mm-hmm. and then you start to shake and then boom, sometimes you just get these awesome, awesome photos of the champagne everywhere or like the champagne's coming towards the camera, but like don't spray it on the camera because <laughs> I like to tell them to turn a little bit diagonal. Yeah, exactly. And but... then get them going like in the direction where they're sort of pointed towards you, point the, 
words on a Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) They are pointed towards you, but also away. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. That's a really interesting... Yeah, I'm glad we shared that three-step process because not a lot of people know that. Oh, no, 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 no. And some grads get too excited that they'll shake it before they even open it. And then it only gives the photographer like two or three takes to get the shot. Mm -hmm. But if you take the cap off, toss it, put your thumb over the lid and then shake it diagonally a little bit away from you and laugh the whole time, you're going to get so many money shots. The uh, emphasis on the, you got to be laughing the whole time. Yeah. Don't look afraid. I So many people like get a triple double chin because they're like, because uh, <laughs> <they>, it, <laughs> it's like they're shooting a torpedo out and it's like, okay, please calm down. But then you also don't want to hold it too close to you on a windy day because sometimes if you're wearing a white dress, you're going to get covered in champagne. And if you're doing that at the beginning of your shoot, that can be rough. So the recommendation is do it as the last part of the shoot Mm -hmm. when it does not matter if it gets on you because that's it. You're done. Yep. We're finished here. Uh, (laughs) So that was, um, yeah, those are, those are definitely some fun little tidbits because we're not talking about grad shoots today. We have, we have, we have, have, uh, but, but I like that this is sort of, turned into a um a duologue a dialogue actually that is the word <laughs> <laughs> hashtag words on a sunday if you're listening and you feel the struggle go ahead and hashtag words on yeah, a sunday yeah we're um, a new segment of the podcast is we're just going to start inventing our own words a so, duologue <laughs> <laughs> right we're, we're calling it i'm like oh a monologue a dual log you're right they have a word for that it's called a dialogue you should have wow. let me pick you up a coffee. I, uh, you know, I and I thought I was caffeinated enough already because I already had a, a good 12, 16 ounces of coffee this morning. But um, I guess it's um, and I really need to stop. I drink too much coffee overall. I need to wean myself off. But it's weird for me if I drink caffeine after 12 p.m. I will have a tr- I will have problems falling asleep that night. It's like I can drink caffeine up until 11:59 a.m. and then. Sleep is gone. You know what's so funny is I think I'm so immune to caffeine now. Last night, around 11 o'clock at night, I went over to Tea Story for some boba. Um, I don't know if you guys have had boba tea before, but in the Gainesville area, we have this cute little place called Tea Story. And inside, there's a ton of succulents and fresh plants and always like happy music. It's perfect for a workspace. There's Polaroid pictures and lights everywhere, and they have the best boba tea ever. But I got one with a ton of caffeine and I chugged it, chugged a large and then came home and went straight to sleep. So, yeah. Well, not all of us have superpowers like Brooke Garrison, so. Is it a superpower or like kind of a curse? Because <laughs> it depends on how you look at it, really. It, um, so I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let Brooke, uh, I'm going to let that marinate. This episode is not sponsored by T-Story, but we wish it was. <laughs> No, this episode is brought to you by We're Making Our Own Words. <laughs> by Duologue. Duologue Enterprise. Oh, man. I'm never going to live this down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, though, today we are we're going to play a little game. Actually, we're going to do... Uh, <laughs> so, so this is actually something that, that Brooke came up with. It's her idea. It's a game that she plays with her friends. At, so, Brooke, what's the game? Okay, so... This game was taught to me, I believe, by my friend Brittany, who's also one of our listeners. We love you, Brittany. Hi. Hey, Brittany. She's literally going to be so excited. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, So, Table Topics is just a fun game, kind of like in middle school when you would text your friends and play 21 questions. Um, 
really thought-provoking, silly, sometimes deep questions that challenge you to think and scrap the surface-level bullshit, which is what we do all the time here at Zooming In. So um, this is great for road trips. I challenge you to try and answer these questions for yourself as we go through, but I think we're all going to learn a lot about each other today and our perspectives, so that's exciting. Um, we have a list of like 48 questions. I think what we're going to do is each of us are going to randomly choose a number and then read it and then kind of go back and forth and see what we think. What do you think, Logan? I think that's a good idea. And what we'll do is we'll also put the full list of questions or a link to the full list in the show notes for the podcast. That yes. way, if you want to have the list up, if you're, maybe you're listening to this, maybe you're going on a road trip right now. And if that is, if that's what you're doing, awesome. Please send us a DM, let us know where you're going to and, and where you're listening to the podcast. But yeah, absolutely. Pause the podcast after we ask a question, answer it yourselves and then see what we have to say about it. I think that could be really fun and we could all make this a communal space because this is a safe space right here. Mm -hmm. I love that. And what I think is so cool about doing this game is that there's such a value in human connection and nobody really challenges each other to think deeper and to get to know each other on that level. So it's really nice. And it always leads into a million different funny stories and moments. So some of my favorite memories were playing games like this. So I'm excited to do that with you today, Logan. <laughs> so tell me all the things about Brooke Garrison that nobody else knows. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> that was his opening line for me. <laughs> <laughs> Throwback. Oh. Throwing it back. Okay. Um, so, uh, Brooke, you asked the first question. Okay. Choose a number one through 48. 42. 42. Alrighty, let's check. And just as a preface, like I haven't even really glanced at these, so I don't know what's coming next. So we're all in this surprise together. Number 42, what is the most desirable trait another person can possess? Ooh. What is the most desirable trait another person can possess? That's a good question. So the most desirable trait that another person could possess I think I think self-awareness is mm. one of the most important things because uh and 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 because I, I think if you know yourself extremely well and you know how you relate to other people, how you react in certain situations, then you go about life with a with definitely a more positive energy because mm -hmm. you're cuz and, and I'm always, it always feels, I always feel very inspired by somebody who knows themselves super well. Like, for example, maybe it's, maybe it's a good friend and you get into a little bit of an argument and they say, oh, I, I'm, I know, I know this is how I react. I just need to go and take a drive for 10 minutes mm -hmm. and come back and I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Like someone who knows themselves well enough to know how they can bring themselves back after having an, a, an extreme emotional response, I think is a fantastic trait. I love that. That's such a refreshing kind of friendship and relationship to have with somebody when it's like, hey, I know I'm going to get a little bit upset by this and I apologize in advance and like, here's how I'm going to handle it. I think that's great. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even think they have to apologize for it necessarily. No, it's like more acknowledging of, it. it's just more of someone who acknowledges it right and then knows what they need to do next. And what they do next is usually for their own best interest, which is fine because I think that part of self-awareness is realizing there are times when you need to be selfish mm -hmm. and do things just for yourself and for nobody else. But mm -hmm. if you're taking care of yourself first, then you're opening yourself up to do the right things for other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's a, it's a snowball effect of positivity as it mm -hmm. were. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So, Brooke, I think it would be great if we both answer the question. So I'm going to ask you the same one. Oh, my gosh. That is so hard to pick, like, one because there's a few things that I really love love to find in people and friends. Um, I think mine kind of falls on a similar leaf of the tree where it's, like, I think one of the most desirable things someone can do is be secure enough in themselves that they don't need to dim somebody else's light to shine. Um, I think it's so important that like people are supportive of one another, especially in like friendships and relationships and that they want everybody to feel like, like a star essentially and know that they're perfectly good on their own and they don't need to tear anybody else down. I think that's, those kind of empowering relationships are really special. So, yeah, it's, there's something to be said for someone who is aspiring to be the best that they possibly can be. And there's always, uh, and there's, there's really two ways you can do that. You can, you can just simply do your best work or, and put yourself in situations where you're doing your best work, or you could try and tear down other people's, let's say you're trying to build the biggest building. Mm-hmm. You can either just build the biggest building or you could tear other people's buildings down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a great way um, that Gary Vaynerchuk phrases this whole concept. That's where I, that's where I remember it from. So you can put energy into bringing others down or you can just mm-hmm. build yourself up tenfold. Yeah. And I think that speaks mountains about a person's true intent and motivation mm-hmm. in life. I agree. And like my pageant coach, Jules Meyer, always told me growing up, don't look right, don't look, look left, compete forward and only against yourself. And when you go into anything in life with that mindset, like it's amazing the community that you'll make even in highly competitive environments, like whether you're at a career showcase or competing for a pageant, like when you're secure enough in who you are that it's like somebody else is equally qualified and amazing too and that's perfectly okay and I'm going to support them either way because whatever's meant for me is meant for me and whatever's not is not. And I think that's really cool. And there's another quote that I love and it's um, losers focus on winners, winners focus on winning. And I love that because if you're too busy looking at the person next to you in that lane, they're obviously going to go faster than you. So staying focused. I think it's important to know what competition is out there and to know like if there's areas that you need to improve on and look at that humbly, but also you can look at that humbly without tearing down other people as well. Agreed. Yes. Okay. So Brooke, pick a number between one and 48 that does not include 42. 17. 17. What does your joy look like today? Oh my God. (laughs) Hmm. I think that's interesting. So I'm in a really interesting place in my life right now because I'm just closing out a really big chapter of my life, uh, graduating. So I think joy to me was the other night I threw a party and I've never been much of an event planner, but I'm so thankful that I met a community in college that are very welcoming and inclusive. And it's just like, you could dance like a freaking idiot and we're going to cheer you on anyways. Like there's no judgment, just like open arms all around. Um, And so I think my joy was just having all of my different friends that I've met throughout the last four years kind of come together in one place, some that I'd never even met before and just like really hit it off and being able to throw on Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. If you know me, you know that is my jam. (laughs) Like it is my 
song. Like even can my, confirm. Yeah, like can literally, confirm. literally, my twenty first birthday was themed after that. Um, but I think my joy was just kind of being around everybody like that. I am an INFP personality type, or I was going into college, and I slowly transitioned into an ENFP, which means that I went from an introvert to an extrovert. And I think that's so true because when you're surrounded by the right people, they bring out that part of you. And I love what I found here, the friendships that I found here, and the person that they've brought out of me. It's like the person that I've always wanted to become. So I think that's pretty that would describe my joy right now. Like I, I keep thinking about that night and I just smile. Brooke throws great parties. I just, I want to put that out there. <laughs> um, can't confirm that she throws great parties and yeah, didn't, didn't understand the whole Whitney Houston thing, but I do now. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Your turn. Okay. What does my joy look like today? It's a very interesting way to phrase that type of a question, which is why I think it makes it a little bit more difficult to answer. Joy to the world. Just kidding. <laughs> it's the holiday season, so I've got all these holiday songs in my mind. My joy today. I need to think on this a little bit. I know, right? Yeah, I don't know. This is, but this is good. Um, hmm. My joy is being able to do what I want to do with the with the people I want to do it with. Mm -hmm. The freedom to do what I want to do and spend the time with people I want to spend time with. I think that there is that that cannot be overstated because in different facets of or I guess different chapters of life you have certain obligations, or at least the way that I was raised, you are, right, we go through this educational system that takes up the majority of our time from age 6 to 22, 24, whatever, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a set number of years for every person, but it's, and then you have, and the, so you have all that schoolwork that takes up that time, so you have, you have to be very, I guess, selective about what you do with that additional time that you're not in class, that you're not focused on that. When you get a job, it's, okay, now you're working in a job. If that's the route you decide to go, then it's how are you spending the additional time. And I think that if we can find a happy medium between doing what we need to do and doing what we want to do and ultimately finding ways where we could do more of what we want to do mm -hmm. all the time. Because mm -hmm. I think that's the key to that's the key to happiness and that's the key to joy. I agree, and I think with us being like you know twenty three, twenty two. Wait, you just turned twenty four, didn't you? I did. Okay, I thought so. We're fact checking. Okay, <laughs> um, but like just being in our young twenties, you have to realize that like these are your years to kind of be sort of selfish. And I don't know. Lately, as I've been doing reflecting, there's been. I think there's so much pressure, especially when you're a teenager and stuff too, to do things just because other people are doing them. And it's like, now that I'm older and I don't really give a shit, it's like, well, like if I, if this isn't going to bring me joy and if this is bringing me more stress then why am I going to go do it? Like I'm going to go do something else. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool when you get to that level of like self-awareness where you're like, yeah, you know, that might be cool for you guys, but I'm a, I'm gonna set that one out. I think, um, I think that not giving a shit is extremely <laughs> underrated. I I think that there's an art to it. 
and there's actually mm-hmm. a fantastic book. The if Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? Have wow. you Have you read it? Yes, I have. It is... So I, I think it's great. I, I definitely want to start adding book recommendations to our episodes, Brooke, and I think that it's great that we both happen to have read that one. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is a fantastic... If you've ever been... If you've been in an airport or a bookstore within the last one to two years, you've probably seen the cover. I think it's interesting that they have to bleep out the the uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the word fuck on the cover. Um, the artist, the, uh, not the artist, the author's name is Mark Marin. We'll double check and we'll link it for you in the I, show notes. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up Google. I'm going to open up Google because <laughs> I, I, should, I should know this. I should know this. Sorry if you guys hear me coughing on the podcast today. I have been running around like a chicken with my head cut off for the last two weeks of college. And I think it's finally taking a toll, but um, <laughs> we're hanging in there. So I am I really want us to do more book recommendations in the podcast, Brooke. So I think it's great that the two of us have happened to have read this book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, written by Mark Manson. R- Mark Manson. Find it on Amazon. We'll put a link in the show notes to the Amazon book book version or you could get the ebook version whatever works for you how you like to consume your books no judgments here it is first of all it's hilarious it has the most f-bombs of any book i think that's ever been written ever the only contender for number of times the f-word is used is i think in the book of mormon musical um their show definitely holds the record for the most um uses of the word fuck i think it's fantastic and hilarious so the subtle art of not giving a fuck finding that there are so many things in life that we are supposed to care about but if we care about everything then we care then we actually care about nothing because mm-hmm. everything has equal weight which means nothing is important nothing is prioritized mm-hmm. and that was the most value that i personally got out of that book yeah definitely cool so next question yeah did you answer that one just now yeah, that was that was um, the. It's just it's such a natural flowing conversation. It's <laughs> easy for me to lose track. So, are you picking a number now? I think yes. I think I pick a number. I think it's your turn. Hmm. Do 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 do. Twenty-five. Feeling alive at twenty-five. Okay. When is it time to stop calculating risk and rewards and just do what you know is right? Ooh kill him (laughs) when is it time to stop calculating risks and just to go for it is that yeah is that is that a good paraphrase okay essentially hmm i think that i think that it really depends on what you're calculating the risk on it depends on how much uh how much time you have what resources are at your disposal as it were but I know from, let's take an example of, let's say, uh, to start a creative project or to not to start a creative project. You might look at, you might say, oh, so the risk is it takes time. Um, I might put something out there that people are, that people don't enjoy, that people don't actually, that doesn't take hold. There might be some people who write hateful stuff about it. That's always going to be a risk whenever you're putting yourself out there in anything that you do. It could be creative, but it could be Maybe you're going after that dream job at that company in the big city that you really want to move to. And it's just you have to risk, you have to you have to put up your best, you have to put your best foot forward and the risk might be that they may not give you that job. 
mm-hmm. it has almost always worked out for the better that I just went for it, even knowing that what's on the other side is uncertain and with uncertainty brings things like fear and questioning and our own it brings our own mental self image into question sometimes depending on what it is but i think i think it's important to take risks because ultimately with high risk comes a high potential for reward mhm i agree we don't play small here at zooming in for sure um <laughs> I know I have a different out like outlook on this question. Okay. Essentially, like I'm, it's great that you provided like a life and business side, but when I read this, I automatically think of like relationships and shooting your shot. I'm typically the mom friend, the therapist friend, um, and something that my roommate told me that I think is really important. It's like, does it pass the five year test? So if you're heavily considering something and you're like, is this still going to bother me five years from now like is this still going to be relevant or if things were exactly how they were five years from now would you be happy and are you or are you just waiting for things to change and um I think that's really important to consider if you're debating on shooting your shot but also it's just like um if you know that five years from now three months from now you're going to be um, sitting there and regretting and wishing you said something. I think there's something so powerful about owning your feelings and your truth and your experience because no one can take that away from you and no one can tell you that that's not your experience. And I think we're so used to kind of like shying away from that out of fear. But I think stepping into that is really like, if anything, you're going to be at peace, you know? Agreed. It is because you... you if if you're sitting there thinking about and i think i think the concept of relationships is a really good is a perfect example for something like this mm-hmm. if you are debating on 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 asking that person out right for example uh, it's something that you should absolutely go for it because sometimes people sometimes you might be surprised and it may actually work out mm-hmm. sometimes that other person has never thought about Mm-hmm. that but now that you say it if it starts them and they start thinking about it who knows what the reaction is going to be and i think that the uncertainty while yes it's scary and we don't want to be rejected because reject we look at rejection as such a negative thing but there's re- there's thinking about it as rejection and then there's also the fact that it is a redirection mm-hmm. because ultimately ultimately we can get lost in playing the games of relationship all day right it's Mm -hmm. the you go out with someone and you wait a couple of days to to call them or Mm -hmm. to text them because you don't want to appear too eager even though deep down you actually had a fantastic time Mm -hmm. and you can't wait to tell them that Mm -hmm. you have to realize that you're that if you show and are your honest and most genuine self to that person and they don't like that then you found out that that's not the right person for you. Hashtag thank you next. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) I think think no rejection is worse than regret. Well, right. Because then, because now it's, that's, that's internal rejection. Yeah. And it's really, and it's much harder to reconcile with that than if somebody else doesn't like you, like, fine. Yeah. So many people like reject themselves before they even put themselves on the field. Yep. Isn't that so funny? Like they literally bench themselves and they could have been the star player. Isn't that, that's hilarious to me. Yeah, I agree. And, and ultimately, exactly. If it works out, fantastic. Mazel tov. Super happy for you. Um, (laughs) Send us a postcard for the wedding. We'll be your photographers. We'd love that. But can you imagine if we teamed up on a wedding? (laughs) Holy crap, that'd be so fun. 
I'm down. Oh my God, I'm down. Hey, brides and grooms on here listening, <laughs> hit us up. We'll talk. Hit us up. We'll talk. Um, we would love to tag team um, to provide you with the best capturing a wedding experience. But And the best dance moves during the wedding reception. Hey. <laughs> um, okay. Um, Brooke, I will... Uh, I look forward to that. Okay. <laughs> um, I have to pick a question now. I'm just going to guess a number because I don't want to pick. Um, 11. Lucky number 11. That used to be my favorite number, actually. Do you think crying is a sign of weakness or a sign of strength? Hell no. I used to cry all the time. And I think... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I think puberty is a really hard time for people as they're growing and developing as like humans. And I remember just like later years in middle school, earlier years in high school, just being really, really um, vulnerable to people's opinions and judgments. And that was really hard for me navigating a lot of like friendships and stuff for the first time. And I remember like there was this one AP class that I was in where I I think I had cry- I cried like a couple times a week and that sucked because I didn't want to be the girl that cried all the time. I was like a happy kid. But I think when you're an empath and you like feel so much for everybody and everything, it, it was kind of a lot to handle. But I'm really glad that I've worked on being self-aware and I've kind of channeled that empathy in my leadership positions and stuff and really kind of honed in on that and grew that because I think it's kind of like my superpower now because I care so much and I can... Like, I can do amazing things with that. When you have a big heart, you can do amazing things. So, because I feel like it gives other people permission to be open as well. So, owning that vulnerability and knowing that there's strength in that instead of weakness can actually inspire other people to do the same. And then I think it creates more raw and open relationships and everyone kind of stepping into their truth a little bit more instead of trying to be somebody that they're not. I think you bring up a lot of uh, a lot of great points on this topic, um, because especially as a, as a guy, I mm-hmm. would say that um, that for men, crying is looked at as a weakness, not a strength, because you are supposed to be both physically and mentally tough at all times. But throughout my experiences, I have to say that I agree with you. I think that that crying is not a weakness. It is something that when you're displaying a raw sense of emotion, I think that it ultimately, we all go through good and bad times in our life. Mm -hmm. And if you do not take the time to let those emotions run their course and you bottle those up, they will create a lot of problems down the road. Mm -hmm. Talking about things like mental suppression, Uh, suppressing emotions can even lead to some physiological changes, Mm -hmm. Um, right? They say like, um, like, like adding stress to your life and stress can make you gain weight. It can, um, it can lower your um, self-esteem, lots of these things. So I do think that vulnerability creates unity. I have never Mm -hmm. been in an experience where someone felt okay to share something personal with me that didn't make me feel closer to that person. Mm Mm-hmm. And by extension, when I share things that are really personal about my life with the people that are important to me, they feel closer to me too. Mm-hmm. Because we realize that that while, yes, we all have problems, 
we all have problems and we all sometimes go through similar situations Mm -hmm. and while yet while yes we all experience even the same situations in our own unique way you may not know you may find that you connect with someone in a vulnerable moment in a way that you would have never in a million years pictured Mm -hmm. i have the perfect example of this and i i've mentioned this to logan briefly before but two clubs really stole my heart at UF and that was ILP, which is a cabinet in the black student union. And, um, when you're a new member, they do a full eight hour retreat. And at the end of the retreat, they do two activities that I would highly recommend doing at any retreat if you're really trying to bring people together. And the first one is from the movie freedom writers. Um, and it's called step to the line. You can Google it. We'll link it in the show notes for you, but basically everybody lines up and it's kind of like, um, a privilege check and also like you find how much you have in common with people in the room so it starts off with things like step to the line if you like ice cream but then it goes to step to the line if your parents are still together or step to the line if you've ever heard gunshots outside of your house like it gives me chills just even thinking about it um and then the last activity that we do is everybody sits in the circle and you turn the lights off and Everyone goes, if you really knew me, you would know. And then you say something that whatever you feel comfortable sharing, it could be one sentence. It could be a 10 minute story. It's whatever you want to share with the people in the room and whatever stays in the room stays in the room. Um, And it ends up becoming, depending on the group, like over an hour. Um, And it's such a beautiful experience. Like everybody puts their phones in a box and you forget about the outside world and stereotypes and expectations and biases that you might have with these people and it's like the most raw form of like human connection that I've ever experienced and it definitely like changes your outlook on life and on those people as well um and I think having the courage to be vulnerable and this just goes back to the question um crying if you want to cry but also like knowing when to take the steps to get better because I don't think it's healthy either to cry all the time but never do anything to get stronger so that's like an interesting caveat but self-awareness yeah we love that (laughs) yeah I think um I think you added something uh that's important to note right it is it's not good to hold it back all the time and it's not good to necessarily let it all let it out all the time without Mm -hmm. taking some sort of action right like to better yourself or to change something about your situation of course in the context of controlling what we can control yeah and realizing that sometimes crying over spilled milk you know once it's spilled that's it it's done you Mm -hmm. cannot reverse time at least not yet i'm waiting for back to the future to be a thing Mm -hmm. but until then understanding what we can control and what we can't control very very important love that I think it's your turn it's my turn to pick a number mm-hmm. okay um th- 18 oh my god that's so funny i was gonna guess what number you were gonna pick and something in my mind was like he's gonna pick eight but you chose 18 so i was half right half psychic ladies and gents anyways well i <laughs> okay number 18 Ooh, whoa, my mind is blown. Is it possible to lie without saying a word? Is it possible to lie without saying a word? Yes. Yeah, I th- that's, that's what they call lying by omission, right? It is, it is um, 
if uh, if you have information that by giving said information would let the truth come out and you don't say something that is in a way, what do they call It's called going along with it or sometimes silence. By, by sharing your silence, you're sharing your approval. Ooh. It depends on, it really depends on what it is. But um, I think that, that that comes up in a lot of personal situations, right? Like maybe you're aware of a, um, of two friends in your friend group that are, maybe they're actually dating, uh, but they're not treating each other right. And you're not telling them your honest thoughts on it or, mm-hmm. uh, or you are aware that something in a relationship really isn't going well and you're not reporting it or you're not saying something about it. Because ultimately, we, I think every person has the best of intentions, and so we might hold things in and say, like, well, that's not my problem. I'm not, you know, it's not, you know, it's not me to deal with it. And it's a very gray area as to whether or not it is or it isn't. Mm-hmm. But yes, ultimately, you can lie by not saying something when you're put in a situation where you have a voice to say something. Mm-hmm. Because I believe as well that it's totally possible to lie without saying a word. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes silence enables people to continue doing what they're doing. And yeah, it's really about using your moral compass and knowing when to speak up and knowing that let's say like the friend example that you just had, like friendships should, should be strong enough to withstand a little bit of um, discourse in a conversation. And I think that that should be more welcomed than it, than it is. I think we're all so prideful that when someone says something that doesn't necessarily agree with us or kind of calls us out on our BS sometimes, um, the first instinct is to like have a knee jerk reaction and just be very defensive. Mm. But um, actually being open and receptive to feedback is so important too, to building like really strong friendships and relationships. But I definitely think it's possible to lie without saying a word. I think body language is everything. I think there silence is also a response for sure it is it is um and in some cases it can be a really powerful response it really it's all contextual but um i think there's nothing worse than like i think any response is better than no response in my opinion depending on the situation but i'm going to disagree with you on that mm-hmm. because i think that sometimes it and Right, we're talking. We're we're speaking extremely generally here. Yeah. Extremely gen- <laughs> generally. General. Can't can't stress that enough. But there are times when, uh, when sometimes silence is the best response. You're right. I would agree with that. Especially like as a journalism major, we talk about this in our ethics class a lot. Um, there's this ethical dilemma about like hate speech and news coverage because. Mm-hmm. For example, when Richard Spencer came to UF and it was like, well, this is, this is huge. People are rioting. Like this is obviously newsworthy, but by putting in B-roll of him on stage, spewing out hateful words, is that supporting the cause or is that reporting the news? And it's really hard to kind of differentiate that. So that's just a real world application and an ethical dilemma. Feel free to discuss with whoever you're with in the car and listening or share with us on what you think about that. But again, all of these are very situational and depends on the person. What is your take on that? So for me, I think it's really important to cover, to cover the news and not censor it, but also like there's a way to cover that story without adding B-roll of specifically what he's saying. Okay. 
Can you give me an example of something that you would do instead of that? So you could interview people outside. You could do it. You could do the B-roll without any audio and just kind of report the facts as objectively as you can. Mm -hmm. But again, I hope that every journalist has the right intentions and our goal is to get the story and to be true to the story. So I know it's really easy to look at news articles and be like, wow, like what were they thinking or why did they do this? But as someone who's written articles and posted them, and sometimes you have to share things that you know are going to piss people off, but being able to, to differentiate, like this is what the public has the right to know. And this is something that the public really doesn't need to know. (laughs) I need cough drops. So um, we have a PO box. If you would like to send, (laughs) Oh my God, that'd be so funny. If uh, if you feel so inclined, um, if you get a lot of value out of this podcast, we would like to give you our P.O. box where you could send us goodies and gifts um, and cough drops for Brooke. I would uh, I would personally really appreciate it. And um, it would just, you, who, if you do send it, you have a heart of gold. He's like anything to get this girl to stop coughing. <laughs> Make my life harder in the editing room. Oh my goodness. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. We don't have a, we don't have a P.O. box. But if that's something that you'd be interested in, hey, hit us up on Twitter. And Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and and Facebook. Um, and we might consider it in the future in addition to our 2020 goals because we've got some stuff cooking in the works. My turn, right? So, yeah, your turn. Well, you want to take five? No, 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 no. Let's okay. get going. Okay, fine. Um, Unless you want a break. No. Can't okay. stop, won't stop. Okay. And we can't stop. And we won't stop. I love this game too much to take a break. Let's do 32. 32. What do we all have in common besides our genes that makes us human? The first thing that came to my mind was our ego. Okay. So... An ego, I think, often has such, like, a negative connotation to it. Like, it means... People think that it means like you're narcissistic or you're conceited or um, super defensive or prideful. But at the end of the day, it's just like our holistic self-esteem and our view on ourselves. Um, And I think people's ego impacts their actions and their intentions more than we're ever willing to recognize. But once you kind of know like what things make you feel super secure or sometimes super insecure, you can... Um, it could also be a really powerful tool to grow personally and professionally. Interesting. I would say that um, mine is more, uh, I guess this is more theological than Mm -hmm. scientific, but I think that the thing that we all have in common that um, besides, um, how was the question phrased again? It's like what makes us all human. Besides our genes. So I think that I think something we all have in common besides our genes is the uh, is the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit, I, I do believe in the concept of the soul, and while I'm not an extremely religious person in the concept, in that I'm, I'm more of a uh, I believe in the universe. Um, I'm a big uh, you know thanks to my good friend Mark. Um, I'm a big respect the universe kind of guy. 
but I do believe in the concept of the soul, that there is a part of us that really is intrinsic, that makes us all unique, but we're also connected to it. That's why there's the whole concept of finding your soul mate in the, in the real world, whoever that person ends up being. Because ultimately, we all have this desire to, to love and to be loved. And I think mm -hmm. that the soul is where that comes from. This is a spinoff question because we do this sometimes in table topics, but do you believe that there are soulmates? And if so, do you believe that there's only one for each person or multiple? I, uh, I, I acknowledge the concept of the soulmate, but ironically, I don't believe there is just one person for mm -hmm. everybody. Uh, I think that, I, I think that it is both something that could come from, could come from the concept of of the soul but really you do choose that person because i think there are too many variables in life to make it feasible that there's this one magic person for every for everybody on the planet mm -hmm. because if like i was born in the united states mm -hmm. if i was born in germany my soulmate would probably be somebody who's german and from germany not necessarily somebody from the united states not necessarily but to say that I would be born in Germany and my person that I'm destined to be with for the rest of my life is in the United States. Well, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And I, I'm still kind of, as I grow, developing my own response to this question. Because like, I've had somebody in my life tell me before that they don't think that soulmates exist. And they were like, yeah, like, let's say like we were together there, there are a million, like infinite other options that we could be with and be just as happy, if not more happy. And I was like, heck no, if we're going to be together, then I want you to think that that is the best option that you have and not like just convenient, you know, because I'm here and because we happen to meet. But, um, I know that there's so many friends in my life that I do feel like are kindred spirits and like that, that soulmate of the heart, like some of my dearest friends, um, and that's cool when you meet people that you just feel like, like you knew each other in a past life, which is a whole other topic of conversation. Well, uh, I have to agree to disagree with you on that. I'm going to flip, mm -hmm. I'm going to flip the script because Great. I think that challenge me. I think that that person who, um, who said that they don't believe in that, in, in the, in the concept of the one and that there are infinite other options, they're right. But the point is that regard, but you don't pick the person, knowing that you have other options, you know that you have other options and you pick that person anyway. Yes. Okay. I think, I think that's really where it, I, that's, and that could be just, that's just one man's point of view. Mm -hmm. But I think that say, knowing that you have other options, but deciding this is the person I choose, that's where the power really is. It's mm -hmm. a choice. It's not it's not external circumstances that are bringing you together. It is 100% I choose this person. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is really interesting, especially for our generation. I'm interested to see as we all kind of grow up and, and find partners and get married if that's what we choose to do. Because, like, for example, my parents are divorced and around their age group, they had to endure the rise of social media after they had already, you know, said their vows. And I find that really interesting because temptation has grown like crazy since the rise of the internet and since dating apps. And then you have um, apps that are specifically designed for affairs like Ashley Madison and those couples having to endure that and texting when they used to just do phone calls and pagers and letters. Um, 
So I'm excited. I'm a little bit hopeful for our generation because I'm just kind of like a hopeless romantic, but I'm hoping that because we have all of these resources like Tinder and Bumble and everything at our fingertips and we can connect and slide into someone's DM in a second, that if we're going to be with somebody, that we're going to choose them knowing all the other options that are out there. So yeah, that's my theory on that. Yeah. The uh, the way that people meet each other is definitely changed and evolved dramatically over the last couple of decades. Who's next? Me? So it's my turn to, um, it's my turn to pick. Pick a question. Any question? Uh, 36. Which is worse, failing or never trying? Never trying. Yeah. 100%. I think, I think never trying. Although I, admittedly, right, I don't, uh, I don't, that doesn't always, that's not necessarily always put into practice. Sometimes there are things that I have never tried. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that in the, in the micro, it's, there will be failure. But in the macro, you'll be happier that you did it and figured out that it either was or wasn't what you wanted. Mm hmm. And that could apply to so many things. For me personally, obviously, it's the never trying answer. Like, never, yeah, right? I think I want to make sure I'm articulating this properly. Yeah, never trying is worse than failing because I believe when you truly want something, you have to be willing to risk it all or or to lose. Like, in order to, to I think, I put this in the context context of beauty pageants because that is what I did during some of the most critical years of my development as like a as a young woman it's like you're getting up on stage as who you are up against 70 other girls who are equally empowered in who they are and you have to know that even your best performance doesn't win you the crown like any different time of day it could be any day and and there'd be a different winner each time and that the people that are behind that judges panel in that moment, choose the person that's meant to have that title. So, and then you walk away and you don't want to ever regret that. And I think you, that's a really, the answer, when you, when you say never trying is worse than failing, I think that that shows someone who's really self-aware and knows what they bring to the table because they're willing to put everything out on the line, their vulnerability, their ego, their insecurities out on the line to go after what they want. And those are the people that are going to reap the greatest rewards. High risk, high reward. Mm-hmm. It's a common We've got theme. a common theme here today. Yeah. Um, and admittedly, there's definitely things in my life where I, that's where I know that that's the right way to go about it. And I still in my head think that failing is going to be worse somehow mm-hmm. because uh, that's part of the, it's part of how, it's part of the upbringing. It's part of how we're raised, right? It's where we're graded every assignment that we do from age six to, to 24 on a, on a letter scale. And it's, you know, and we're, and we definitely, and I definitely think that our generation in particular has a, that has more of a fear of failure than others. We, there's a lot of things that are different, um, about our time as opposed to, uh, how it used to be. But I think that we're just that in some ways we're not exposed to it as much. And that's why we've developed this fear of it. And you know what's so cool is I'm not saying that we're not scared. I'm just saying we're scared shitless and we're going to do it anyways. And that's what I love. And that's what it is. And like that movie, We Bought a Zoo, 
um, one of my favorite quotes is like, all you need is five seconds of courage. I believe that's what it is. Um, and I think that's awesome. <laughs> like if you are ever about to do something or considering doing something and you're like, all I need is five seconds of courage. Like you freaking do it. Go for it. Just do it. Nike. This episode of the Zooming In podcast is brought to you by Nike Sneakers. Nike Sneakers, just do it. Um, however you want to paraphrase that and add it into your life, whatever activity that you're doing, I just want to encourage you to just do it. Back to you, Brooke. Just do it! Alrighty. Um, Let's do one more question. Okay. Because I can't remember how many we've answered at this point. I don't, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong number. Um, 26. Lucky number 26. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? I don't feel like there's a, there's a specific number to this. I just feel like a very old soul and I've always felt that way. How so? Um, just like a big sense of um, emotional maturity, um, just from a very young age. Like I just remember being at sleepovers and around like the ages of like five and six. And I really loved sitting at the kitchen table with the parents and just having like really mature conversations with them at age five, like wild. Um, and getting along with people who are like 35 and 40 and just like really kicking it and feeling like we were besties. Um, but I think as you get older, like in your, in your twenties, like you can kind of go either way. Like you, you can always find something in common with anybody and age is really, but a number, but I do feel like an old soul. I know there are some old souls listening to that might understand. And it's really hard to like put into words, but yeah, I definitely don't feel 22. So if you had to put an actual number on it, how old would you be? <laughs> That's interesting because although I do feel like an old soul, I still feel like there's a childlike spirit with me that I'm still exploring. Like the other night I went out at Midtown and I just like let loose and had fun. And I'm tip I typically growing up was a very uptight person and that was fun. Like I enjoyed that. I think, we all deserve those moments where you just get to be young and like enjoy that because we always try to rush it and I'm kind of done trying to rush it. But I guess if I was a number, I don't know, maybe let's just say like 35. <laughs> you know what the craziest part about that is? What? Are you going to say that too? I had 35 in my head too. Dude, why do we always do this? What do you mean why? It's the reason why we're doing this podcast. It's exactly why, but I think that's so, it's so <laughs> cool. Like we get this stuff on film because we are just always so in sync. It's wild. Yes. I, uh, I have to agree. I think that, uh, I, I always, I view myself, I, I was never had a problem connecting with adults when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. My friends are always older than I am and they mm -hmm. continue to be for the most part. Except for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but then if I had to, if, if it was like, uh, if the, I think the question is phrased really interestingly, just in general, how old would you think you are? But if I, let's say 
I didn't know when I was born and I looked at myself in a mirror, I probably would have, I probably would guess 18 or 19. Then that's just probably because I've been told by many people that I look very young for my age. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think you look young for your age at all. Not everybody, clearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, okay. Do uh, one more. You get to pick the last one. One more. Ooh. One more time. We're gonna celebrate. No? You don't know that? Didn't land? Oh, yeah. All, All right. right. Stop the dancing. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. One more time. One more time. We're gonna, gonna celebrate. I sing that a lot at the end of my photo shoots to hype my <laughs> What's that? I'm laughing because he did, like, the full Mariah Carey run just now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have our blooper for this episode. <laughs> I'm ready. Around the world, around the world. Who sings you know, that? that? It's another Daft Punk song. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic. Punk sings a really great song. I just can't remember what it is. Get Lucky? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Probably their most popular song of all time. But they honestly, you got to... Um, Random Access Memories, I believe, is the album that that song is on. And it's a great album. There's a lot of other, like, Giorgio Marauder is a great song. Give Life Back to Music, great songs. Put the links to those on Spotify in the in the show notes for you because uh, we like to share with you not only what we like to talk about, but what we like to listen to. Yeah. Especially, so, yep. the final question. Can I get a drum roll, please? I figured you were going to add in the audio cue, but I wanted to give you one in the real in the real life, too. I know. I know. Thank you for indulging me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say number two. Oh, my gosh. Who do you sometimes compare yourself to? Who do you sometimes compare yourself to? Hmm. I compare myself to my friends all the time. I think about, uh, and I think about, uh, especially people who, who, uh, I went to school with at UF, you know, we all got the same, we got the same degree and seeing what jobs they have, what they're doing post-graduation versus what I'm doing post-graduation. And I, and I definitely compare, I definitely find myself falling into that trap of comparing myself to their life. Now, most of them don't also don't do this whole photography thing on the side. That's something that I that I do that's unique mm-hmm. in this case. So it would be interesting. I don't know what their what their side of that story would be if they would also compare themselves um, to their friends. But I do, um, and I, I I like to think that I don't, but I absolutely do. Uh, I think that um, that it's ra- one of my rather unhealthy uh, patterns of thinking and un- unhealthy behaviors. I think it's um, I think it's partially human nature, because really where I think the comparing ourselves to each other comes from is more of a survivalistic, um, mm-hmm. intrinsic motivation. It's we don't want to be ousted from the tribe, so we want to do enough things to make the tribe happy, so that we we don't get excommunicated from the tribe. Mm-hmm. But really, that's not that's not a matter of life and death anymore. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the human brain has evolved to compensate for that. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
In comparison for our generation, I feel it's especially hard because we have people to compare ourselves to at the tip of our fingers at any given moment. Like it's everywhere. Well, I yes, but I think that it's always important for us to acknowledge that the hi- that we're always looking at somebody else's highlight reel. Yeah. And that the majority of people are not posting the worst sad moments of their life online. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. Um for me, Oh, yeah, this is this is not a good trait, but at least we own that. Um, I think it's kind of hard. Like when I was younger, I'm sure a lot of young women listening to this podcast and probably men too, like compared their bodies to like Victoria's Secret models specifically. Um, I think in high school, like you see all of these like football players and these like quote popular people like praising these supermodels and you're like like the age of 14 like still developing and still trying to learn like and that that was like a lot of pressure because you're wanting your body to look like somebody like that and then especially like being in pageants and stuff too like I grew up a gymnast so like I naturally have muscle like (laughs) I grew muscle like crazy I was six years old and I'm like doing cartwheels on the balance beam so like yeah it changes your body as you're developing and stuff and then you're told as you're growing up that that's not aesthetic and that you should like stop doing things that you enjoy like running because it'll bulk up your quads and it won't look good on stage you know but I just want to like no one I had I had really amazing personal trainers that taught me to like have a really positive body image so that isn't directed towards them at all um but I think also like I at the in our 20s as we start to graduate and get jobs and internships and some of us choose different life paths than others it's more relevant than ever I know in this period as I'm just graduating college to compare yourself to the person next to you but like everybody's story is different everybody's expectations of what it's like to be successful post-grad are so different so um at the end of the day though like yeah we might compare ourselves but I get exhausted by the thought of like comparing myself like maybe in like some some like insecure moments like yeah but at the end of the day, I know that I'm not perfect, but there was there's nobody else that I would rather be because at least I know that I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to keep growing as a person. So I'm very thankful to have gotten to that point of love with myself because I was definitely not always at that point. Yeah, I can, um, I can definitely relate to that too. Uh, and I think... I think uh, I think it's great that we both had very different uh, types of comparison when it comes to this. Um, but ultimately, uh, you're right. I mean, looking at this, you know, very at a bird's eye view, I also don't want to actually be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it and particularly right when it goes to the to the to the uh, wanting to be very physically fit and look strong and and look like the the models that you see on. Um, on magazines or um, right, I think a lot of guys might relate to the to the, all the Marvel superhero movies, mm-hmm. right? You've got these um, you've got these guys who are look like Adonises, and you think that you have to look like that. And and I'm all for like I definitely enjoy working out and exercising and do that regularly. Mm-hmm. But also when you look into how they how much effort it takes to go and make themselves look like that, I have to think to myself, do I really want to do that? And the answer is no, most mm-hmm. of the time. And not just not just when it comes to um, 
to how you look physically, but in terms of, but it could be anything, right? It's just, do I actually want to do what they do to, to get to look like that or to get to that position, right? Maybe it's somebody who is 28 and they're already making six figures, but are, but they're working 120 hours a week for their job that they, that they like, but they don't, that they're not super passionate about. And I'm like, okay, well, do I want to be, do do I want to make six figures? That sounds nice in theory, but to actually get there and do what that person's doing, would I want to be there? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And I think to tie this back into photography, which is like, you know, the root of this wonderful podcast, I think sometimes it's really important to compare yourself, especially in a highly saturated market, because you got to know what the differentiating factors are and what other people are doing really well and what you're doing exceptionally and where you can improve. I know I, um, I've had some really great mentors in the photographer community, um, like Cole craft photography. I haven't been able to shout him out on this podcast just yet. And so I'm really thankful that I can now because he's the reason that I actually took this and went full time and left my job at Publix to do this. Um, and he was like, known as one of the graduation photographers. Like I remember he did like 80 grads or maybe more in one semester and him being able to tell me what he did in terms of the booking process and stuff was really important. And I was able to align that with what I wanted for my business and make tweaks as I saw fit for my customer experience as well. So comparison is crucial sometimes. Right. It's, it's all, I agree that it's contextual because are we comparing ourselves to them because we like, we want to be them or we want to be at the stage that they're at, Mm -hmm. not necessarily understanding what it took to get there. Mm -hmm. But you're right. You have to be able to, you know, how does somebody look at a photo Brooke of yours and say, that's a Brooke Garrison. Mm -hmm. How does somebody look at a photo of mine and say, that's a Logan Peck photo, Mm -hmm. right? What, what about it? What maybe it's, maybe we have, an editing style that's unique to what we do. Maybe it's our workflow. Maybe it's the experience that we provided them. Always that we can differentiate ourselves in the market. And to that credit, I agree that you have to know the competition to understand how you can provide the best photography service holistically that you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And then in that way, it's it it's if you're it's looking at it from a goal setting perspective, not a not a, um, oh, I'm not that person, so I could never do it, or I can't get to that, or um, or feeling that you have to necessarily get to that person's level, because you may, and you may get there in half the time. You might It might take the same number of weeks, months, years, or you might be able to do it in half the time, um, or, it might t- or I'm sorry, it might take twice as long. And you're on your own level too. You're Mm -hmm. on a level that you don't even realize. Mm -hmm. Like people might come up to you and be like, do you know like how talented you are? And it's like, wow, I'm too busy picking myself apart that I didn't even take a second to acknowledge that people might think my work is pretty great, you know? Agreed. Agreed. So I think that that is a fantastic uh, way to close out this episode, uh, episode five of the Zooming In podcast. We hope you've enjoyed us playing our little game of 21 questions. And yes, slow your roll on the keyboards there. I realize we didn't ask and answer 21 questions, but we're close. And if you want that full list, it's going to be linked in our show notes for you. We cannot express enough how excited we are that you've listened to episode five, maybe, and hopefully you've listened to episodes one, two, three, and four. If you haven't, I encourage you to do it because you're missing out. 
we thank you, we appreciate you, and we love you. Yes, and I just want to say, if you had a favorite question from today's podcast or something really resonated with you, feel free to drop a comment and let us know. And go ahead and share this on social media because we want to create a community space. We want to create conversation more than just Logan and myself, as much as I love talking to him, and he loves talking to a wall. <laughs> I'm only teasing. We love Logan. Well, in that case, you're calling yourself the wall, so I think, I'm, I, think I just won there. Okay, perfect. <laughs> But um, we just want to say thanks for tuning in to Zooming In. We'll see you next time.